This is Rugger Matrix, episode 146, The Link Returns. Yes, hello and welcome to episode 146 of Rugger Matrix. I'm your host, Juro Sen, joined in a moment by Mark Cashman, my co-host with the most. Ewan McKenzie joins us for the first time in a long time. Les Kiss chimes in from the Northern Hemisphere. Rabo, Aviva and a Heineken Cup. What a great finish coming up there. Also, the tours down under. How will Ireland go? How will Wales go with a busted coach? Now, if you're not watching Rugged Matrix in the car, you can listen to us hands-free using Strike, Australia's leading provider of mobile phone hands-free cradles, Bluetooth devices, sat-nav devices, and reversing cameras. Check them out and you'll get a 10% discount if you enter the code RUGGERMATRIX. Hello and welcome to episode 146 of Rugger Matrix International and we're back after moving a mountain of data. Uh, now the servers are on S3, Amazon S3, so I'm directly serving to you and a little bit more work for the RSS feeds, but I can tell you that uh, they'll stream a lot better and uh, it will be worth the effort and it's a bit cheaper too so in these days uh, that's a wise thing to do and I know our head coach joining us tonight would be uh, very impressed with the uh, the frugal nature of where Rugger Matrix is heading but first let's introduce him uh, Mark Cashman from the Northern Beaches you've been mucking around on Skype all night but you finally got sorted yeah, finally here, Bronk, and uh, mate, good to see. And uh, listen, I just like from uh, on Logie's night, which is one of the great television events uh, in Australia. <laughs> I just like to say that I'm wearing uh, a manly longboard club uh, t-shirt and a pair of uh, Billabong shorts. I don't know what Ewan's wearing. Oh, we'll find out very shortly as we cross to the man who hasn't been on the show for a little while yet. He's been pretty busy, but there he is in the top of the Brady Bunch screen. Ewan McKenzie joining us from Brisbane tonight. Ewan, uh, thanks for joining us uh, as you prepare to take on a pretty good team in the Stormers this week. No, it's, it's nice to be back. Uh, you brushed me for a while. and um, <laughs> What episode is it now? I've lost it's 146. Track. 146. So this is this is the first time in 146 episodes I've had to do it with my pants on. Because, uh, <laughs> because video. So it's a bit of a worry, but uh, I've, been, I've been hiding in the closet for a long time now. But now, now it's, we're out and out in video, so I've got to be, uh, got to do everything right. Well, here's a little secret for you: when you're a news presenter, the news desk covers everything underneath, so you feel free to go pants off at any point, Ewan. And uh, I won't uh, be standing up. <laughs> don't stand up for us. Um, well, it's great to have you on the show, Ewan. Uh, later on, we're going to talk to Les Kiss. A whole heap to cover in terms of uh, Heineken Cup and Rugby Union in the Northern Hemisphere. It's all happening there. Uh, Les uh, had a quick visit to England. I think he visited the Queen, so I look forward to uh, him talking to us about that. But you and um, mate, uh, you've had a break. You've had a week off. Uh, you've had a look at the competition developing. South African team's doing really well. The Chiefs doing well, beating one of my favourite teams, the Cheetahs, at the weekend. But, mate, uh, you've got back onto the winning horse. That firstly must be good as you head into a pretty awesome uh, opposition this weekend. Oh, look, there's no doubt. We were always confident we'd, we'd get back to winning. Um, you know, we started the competition, our best ever start, three wins, best ever in uh, Super Rugby history for Queensland. But um, we fell in a bit of a hole and um, we've had 12 guys uh, on the sideline. We're starting to get a few of them back. So that's giving the, 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 
team some confidence to know that some players are coming back in there, which just gives us depth around selection. We're pretty much going week to week and redeveloping and finding players literally every week. So we've got a bit awkward there, but um, we're always confident that um, that we can come through. I think last week was a, a good victory for us tactically against the Brumbies. And um, you know, and having the bye now, which we sadly, you know, we desperately needed to have a break. Uh, the guys have had a break. They've trained well on Thursday and Friday. And... Uh, Looking forward to this game. It was a pivotal game last year and it's going to prove to be pivotal again this year. You and uh, the Brumbies have been the uh, the form team of, uh, of the Australian conf- uh, Conference. Uh, obviously a great tactical uh, victory from uh, from the Reds. You, you played them in exactly the right way, but uh, you know, they're, they're bringing something to the table. It's, it's a bit old school, but it works for them. Look, it's a good formula. Um, you know, they've concentrated on... I guess playing winning rugby, and uh, they found a formula that works. And um, it's you know, some some of it was seen before from other teams. It's a, it's a good it's a good system they've got. It's based on there's a toughness and a resilience that goes with it, which which leads you know that points to culture. So they've got there's got some things going there. Obviously, people probably didn't have much of an expectation, but they've clearly got a good team spirit, and you can do a lot with that. And we, we know that very well. Um, I think that the uh, I had a look at the competition or the conference. You know, I haven't paid much attention to it, but I had a close look at it uh, today actually and um, there's some interesting permutations still to pan out of, of the eight conference games to be played um, the derby games, you know the force have already played six, uh, we've played five, but the Brumbies have played the least, they've only played three of the derby games and I, I consider the derby games to be basically you know, double, double, double points games because you're pushing a team back in the conference and, and promoting yourself or vice versa so now they've still got a bit of. Uh, they've got to play the Tars twice, and they've got to play uh, us and, and a few other sides. So they've got a bit of work to do on the conference side of things, and that'll make that'll really change the shape of things as they go along. But at the moment, uh, they're travelling very well. They're, they'll negotiate South Africa, and they've got a couple of complicated games there. But um, yeah, they've got a good formula, and you can do a lot when you're confident. So, uh, but there's still plenty of work to be done. I don't think anyone can sit back and say, uh, you know, it's all over. I mean. There's, a lot of teams have had a similar number of wins across the whole competition, actually. So uh, bonus points are important. They're hard to come by. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it's good. I think it's hard to pick who's going to win every week. Ewan, it's been a difficult uh, time for you this year, not as smooth as the last bit last year. But I know you're not one to complain, but, geez, you've had a horrendous injury toll. Uh, will, in some bizarre way, you come out of this a little bit better over the, the coming weeks? I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that maybe New South Wales will benefit from the fact that they had some injured players early, but they'll get Rocky back very shortly. So all that stuff's going to be added to the uh, pie for them. For you, are you looking at a change in change in fortunes very shortly? I think I think each team's got injuries. I mean, everyone we've got we've got a lot of injuries in the same positions, you know. So like we've you know the two Flanger boys have only played, you know, Sayers played. 30 minutes of rugby and and, um, and Anthony's played 40 minutes of rugby for us this you know so those two mainstays for us last year so to not have them at all uh, has been in that they had a lot of starch so there's a couple of key players but I think the 10 position for us has been the you know the the, the sort of musical chairs position and uh, we've had 10 different or six different guys playing in that position we've had six different goal kickers too so that's made it that's where we haven't got the consistency so I think that um, we will benefit by getting consistency in those positions over the next period of time, we've got a 
six-game patch here, which will define the season, and it will be the same for everyone else. So this six-game patch leading up to our bye before the, the four-week layoff um, is going to be very important. There's some big games in there, but um, they're all... The beauty for us is we've done the worst of the travelling, so we're just doing our preparations at home so we can get a very good routine around week to week. We've got a couple of little, little you know, hit and runs to New Zealand, um, and that's pretty much it. So we've got a pretty clean run going in, whereas others have still got some of the complicated bits to negotiate. So we'll see. Um, but certainly every indication is that just being on the training paddock and having Quaid out there and Mike Harris and Ben Lucas and... Some of these guys, Adam Wallace Harrison, these guys sort of drifting back in. We'll get Digby back next week. Uh, these guys are all, will all make a difference. They'll certainly give us depth and they'll certainly give us competition back in the training squad, which is what you need to get the best out of players. Ewan, um, you've done really well with the membership and uh, I guess they're all excited about this year. You haven't been able to, let's face it, you haven't been able to play the rugby that you would have liked. And uh, obviously Quade not being there had something to do with that. Uh, what, what do you say to your fans and and the people around the edges there about uh, what what you should expect for them this year because you've stated yourself that it's not just good enough to win so there has to be something to hold on to there what are you saying to them well i think this you know at this point in time we've been away we've been on the road and i think uh, when we came back everyone was just happy for us to win now we're, we're concentrated on that bit you can only do so much. We haven't departed from our style. We, we've always varied our tactics. We did it last year, you know, and people appreciate our fans, the ones that understand, mm. appreciate that you don't play the same way every week. Certainly certainly some teams do, but, the, but you end up coming a cropper because teams will work out ways to beat you. You've got to have some variety, and we've always done that. We did it last year. You know, we, we've done, we've used kicking, we've used different the different tools that rugby affords to, uh, to get through games. So, we're probably a little bit, um, we've had to simplify things by virtue of the circumstance, and I think that the fans understand that, you know, but they also understand that as we get players back, we'll be able to do more uh, as we go. So, um, look, it hasn't affected, uh, you know, the membership's great, it's over, over 30,000, and uh, we've had good crowds, all the crowds have been over, well over 30,000 each time, so it hasn't affected, the crowd was in good voice last game, um, we were disappointed, we should have had the Brumbies at 21-0 at half-time, you know. We had a chance to really nail it and push for, for an extra try. But in, in the end, we, we, we missed an opportunity. 14-0 became 14-3. Then we had the sin bin. And they scored 10 points. So you know, it was when it was 15-15, 15-15, uh, they only scored three points. So we, tactically, we played the game uh, smartly. And uh, if anyone watched the game yesterday, uh, you know, the Storm was... Crusaders game. I mean, it was quite blatant what the Crusaders talked about their tactics. The coach talked about it before half time, at half time, after the game. Is you got to play certain games with certain game plans. Um, you got to acknowledge the opposition's strengths, and you got to make sure you find ways. So you can't just get out there and belligerently do what you uh, do. What you do the same thing every week because you get caught out, and um, and and you see that you happen. Unfortunately, you see that all the time. I think we saw an example of that. Last night, I think the Brumbies played very well against the Rebels, but the Rebels didn't challenge the Brumbies in terms of taking them into a, into a game space that they're not comfortable with. In fact, they let the Brumbies play exactly how they've been playing all year, and they played very comfortably and did it very well. What, what about um, the things that's been? What about the game itself, Ewan? Now we're we're sort of halfway through the season, or getting close to it, and um, you've uh, you've done your best in the past to predict how the game is going. And at some point, uh, I think you have to decide whether the season's going well from a, an officiating point of view. I think some of the decisions have been pretty dubious, or the style of uh, refereeing may be in question. 
What's your opinion so far, thus far this season? Look, I think we got it. I think we predicted it pretty well at the start. I mean, we we're three, we we're three from three, but you know, it wasn't necessarily how we wanted to play. We just played pragmatically and understood that the breakdown uh, was fairly important. And we've made a big investment there. And we even saw it last week. We played two open sides because you know the, the competitive nature of that is deciding how the game is actually played. The speed of the game is controlled by the breakdown and what's going on there. So you've so just got to basically keep keep abreast of that. You know, I, I personally think that defence is winning again uh, from, as opposed to two years ago. So, you know, I think defence is, um, is dominating again. So I think we're seeing less attack. I think that probably shows up in bonus points across the board. I haven't done analysis on that, but it certainly was the case after three or four rounds. So, you know, I think that's my personal opinion. But, you know, I, I can't say too much because we haven't been in sparkling form or had the capacity to, to trouble that side of it at this point. But you know, as we go along, hopefully we can uh, keep developing the attacking side of the game. But uh, you know, at the moment, I think it's slightly more defence-orientated and, uh, and um, you know, the, the key of the game is the breakdown rather than two years ago it was about getting across the advantage line. So it's a different scenario. Uh, you and in, in South Africa, the uh, the form of the Chiefs continues to uh, uh, bubble along. A great, great game against uh, the Cheetahs, who are who are getting a lot of fans uh, all, oh, yeah. all one, across the one Southern here, Hemisphere. Mate. One here, one here. I love the Cheetahs, Ewan. The Cheetahs are playing. Uh, you know, they play that uh, high risk. They play a very expansive brand, and they've really, you know, the Lions have been doing that for the last eighteen months, and the Cheetahs have have been doing the same but have really sort of gone to another level. They're always high scoring games. The question is whether you win it or not. So you get good good value for watching. Well, they've won uh, a few. Yeah, they have, they have. Um yeah, they're a team that we don't actually get to play this year. And I think when you actually look through the um who plays who, we don't play the Cheetahs and the, the Hurricanes and the Hurricanes have been having a crack too. So that's interesting from that point of view. But again I was looking at the Br- the Brumbies. The Brumbies don't play the Stormers and the and the Crusaders. So that's a that's a good draw for them. So, um, you know, you know, I think you know, still, regardless of, there are games, and you can talk about the, the Bulls against us, you, there are games where they're high scoring, but, you know, the games have basically been a lot closer, which some people might find interesting. Um, you know, I tend to measure it on, on tries and things like that, and it's just, it's, it's hard work at the moment. When you're sitting there talking about the best strategies, these are kicking strategy, that's not the ideal set of circumstances, but that's just the reality of it, you know. Um, it's got to be in there somewhere. Yeah, the thing about kicking, uh, we talk about it all the time, you and as we have to say, I think uh, people's first response is stop the kicking. Now, you can't play. I remember saying to Rocky Elsom after a final once, can we ban kicking altogether? Could you possibly play a game without kicking? Of course, you couldn't do it because you'd be absolutely stuffed. However, it's well, not so much the amount of kicks, it's how effective those kicks are. Well, let me tell you about the game. I'll tell you about the game that had the least amount of kicking from us anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It was the Bulls game. So we oh, kicked the ball yeah. nine times in that game, and we lost by 60 points. So you, you can't tell me that kicking doesn't have a role. We played the game. We were playing the game in our own quarter. We were running the ball across the goal line, turning it over, and they were scoring. So we played right into their hands, and uh, we made it easy for them. So you, this... You can have this sort of noble notion of running the ball, but to play the game in your own quarter was, you know, it was silly. We we had very three very solid wins, and then we we had a great outing against the Sharks. Even though we lost, we were leading 17 nil. We were we were going well, but then we lost key players. But the Bulls game was a was a how not to play the game. You know, you don't want to play and be running the ball across the face of goal and uh, 
especially against a good quality team that's good good at defending and you know so we pay the price for for, for that style and um, we only kicked the ball nine times we've been trying to get a balance we were the leading kicking team last year we averaged 28 kicks a game we kicked it nine times against uh, the Bulls we kicked it 15 times against the Force and 15 times against the, the Sharks you know uh, we lost all of those games um, we kicked it 40 odd times against the Brumbies and, and had the game well in hand you know, and this is this is a bit uh, left fieldish, but you continue to talk, uh, continually talk about uh, adjusting your game depending on uh, the referee that's uh, officiating. Uh, there's a few new guys in the in the panel for Super Rugby this year. Do you think that's uh, you know, and it's the start of the World Cup cycle, the first first year of four years. Do you think that's having effect on uh, on the officiating uh, and the way you guys are approaching the games? Uh, ironically. Um you know, I'm aware, we, we track the, the statistics of the referees, but I'm, I'm aware of what they're about. But I actually found finding the referees this year, and it's probably, we've had like double double refereeing, and we've had two the same referee two weeks in a row. So we actually, haven't actually had a lot of different referees. We've only had a handful. But I've worried less. I mean, I haven't been having meetings with them before the games. There's meeting them in the dressing room beforehand. And I've worried less about that than any other year because I found them actually fairly homogenous where they've been concentrating and, and uh, you know, so I actually haven't found the referees per se to be such an issue. It's probably more around where the focus is for them, and and uh, you know there are parts of the game which I think are heavily policed, and there are other parts where I think that we create space and allow opportunity. I'll get, for an example, there's obviously a lot of focus around scrum, which is you know which is fine because there's safety elements there. But you know each scrum's taking probably a minute twenty to get through the process. Um, so that's when you multiply that out, 20 scrums or a few repacks is a fair, fair chunk of the game time. But I think, you know, an area, and I saw the first penalty last night, uh, first penalty I've seen in 18 months for crossing the 15 metre line uh, from line out. So the tail, the tail gunner and the, and the halfback defending crossing the 15 metre line. I saw the first penalty in 18 months. Now those two guys get out there and get in front of the 10. So theoretically in the line out you've got 20 metres to play. But that by the time the 10 gets the ball, he's always got two defenders in front of him. So you, you, you don't get the try-scoring opportunities from line that you should because, because you've got this theoretical space, but it's always cut off. So refereeing the back of the line out hard would actually give you much more space to play and you'd see more rugby. But that doesn't seem to be as interesting as worrying about where the props are binding and, 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 and games are getting won and lost on you know, wheeled scrums and, and whether the prop touch puts his hand on the ground. Whereas opposed, they could be decided by you know the back lines attacking with space, you know. So I think that you know there's issues are there's issues there to be always looked at. You know, it's a complicated game. I acknowledge that, and there's so many different aspects to it. But I do think that the creation of space in the game is is one of the areas that we've got to make sure that you know from a refereeing point of view, we're trying to create the space so the game actually can be played. That's it, and I guess if you're running from depth, that's definitely an issue. But Obviously, you you were you grew up at Randwick, didn't you, Ewan? And you were, mm. were, were fairly good at playing at a flat attack in the backs as well, and and creating holes. And I know Gary Ells always said, "Look, um, if you're good enough, you can you can make something of it of a flat attack if you're skillful enough." So I guess there are different ways to to breaking things up. I mean, do you have yeah, to consider those sorts of things? I don't think we're worried about the, it's not so much the flatness of it; mm. it's the fact. You can push two defenders out there and you can cover any overlaps. I mean, you're trying to generate overlaps or space on the outside and you can actually end up 
you can run your back line against one or two extra players each time because they can get out there quick enough yeah. and be in front of the 10. So, you know, it's just it's just hard. And there's more tries scored from theoretically from scrums than any, than lineouts. But this year, there's, a lot of the scrums have gone to penalty very quickly and therefore yeah. the back line players from scrums have dried up. And then there, there are games uh, we've played where you've had 10 scrums on your put-in and only two of them have actually seen the ball come out the back of the scrum. Now, sometimes you might be getting in trouble at scrum time, but basically you know, half of them have gone to penalty or free kick, and therefore you don't necessarily get to play the plays that you've been practising in training because the defence drops back and then you get, you get the old brick wall across the field and you don't get to play the plays. So subtle bits and pieces around that are, um, you know, the, the ebb and flow of the game it does have an impact. That's, the, that's always been the complicated part about the laws is you can make a subtle or a bit of a tinker over here, you can have an, it can have an impact yeah, over exactly. there. So it's the cause and effect of it is can be massive sometimes when you think it through and when coaches and everyone gets their hands on it and tries to work through the strategy of it. So I don't blame anyone. I just think that you know we've we've got to keep the intention this year was to go back to what it was before the World Cup last year, and the last year was meant to be the same as the year before that. Well, the year before that was very open and and uh, exciting, and it's just been tightening up ever since. And I, I don't know that we've moved too far from the World Cup. Uh, standard, so yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll see. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. It's certainly no excuse for from our point of view. It's just an interesting philosophical discussion, and, and, and we have the same discussion every year. To be honest, I yeah. mean, it's it's only my opinion versus someone else's about what's important in the game. But um, yeah, the, the 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 law book affords a lot of a lot of debate. And, um, you know, that's that's sort of um, as long as long as in the end, from my only interest, and and we're probably. In a good position because we've got big, big numbers coming to watch us play and turning up and buying membership. But I'm seeing a lot of other crowds shrinking, you know. And we've got to keep saying, what is it? We've got to keep saying the most important thing is to have growing crowds, not shrinking crowds, you know. As much as it's about the game itself, we've got to make sure that you've got people there watching it. Well, Casho, this is, um, you know, like Ewan is a coach who's going to try and his best to, um, I guess, manipulate the rules as they, um, they go throughout the season. And here is a challenge for rule makers, the lawmakers, or the tweakers, to anticipate how things are going during the year and make the tweaks in advance of the problems developing. So it's a, it's a, it's really a, a chance here for someone in the hierarchy of the game to be proactive about these changes. Yeah, 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 very much so. And uh, you know, I, I think uh, as you mentioned, the uh, the scrum has been an area that really needs some uh, some real big time uh, attention. And in the uh, the Waratahs program this coming weekend uh, for the game against the Rebels, we've uh, we've had a chat to uh, to Dick Marks, and he's got some interesting thoughts about uh, the way the scrum should be uh, managed and refereed. And uh, yeah, he's as 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 Ewan would know, he's uh, he's always got an opinion, Dick. And, yeah, that uh, surprises me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's it's, it's interesting uh, what, what he thinks. But uh, yeah, at, at the present point in time, uh, scrum time is uh, is an actual blight on the game, and I think it's it is causing some of those crowds to shrink. Hmm. What do you think, Ewan? Are you turning away oh, because of the scrum? I think it depends on the game, and not every. I mean, some. You know, there's a statistical measure, and they're obviously trying to get to 70% completion as the target. They were about 40 last year, or somewhere around that mark, and I think it's up in the 60s now. So they're getting through that completion side of things, but it very much depends on the game. But it's still, even on the completion side, it's still 
it still takes a minute twenty. I mean, I've been I've been timing in some games just to see what the time. I mean, it takes a minute twenty, you know, to get through the, the process from when the time the, the knock on's blown to the time the ball comes out. It's still a minute twenty, so there's a fair bit of uh, time sucked up there. So we we just got to keep looking at the. Uh, for me, you got to keep looking. You got to say, I'm sitting if I'm sitting in the grandstand. How, how am I engaging this, this, these fans, you know, so that they'll come back the week after? And, yeah, OK, running the ball's certainly part of that. And uh, so everyone's got a role to play. Everyone's got a role to play. But in the end, the, the KPI's got to be how many people are seeing how many people are coming to the game. And I think that's got to be an important KPI, not, not forgotten. It's not just about getting through the game. It's about actually making sure people are turning up uh, to watch it. I think it's more than uh, you and just... Uh, throwing the ball around, fans actually appreciate great skill. So if you kick the ball half the time, but you kick it really damn well, and you hit the corners, you do what you want to do, fans will applaud until the uh, stands come down because that's great skill. And then if you follow it up with a little move, it, it's it's about that. It's not just a and a great scrum. Like a great scrums get applauded. You'd be every week. On kicking strategy, you see teams kicking high balls and the opposition drops it and the ball becomes loose and teams scoop it up and score or whatever. So, and it's no different. Rugby league's the same thing. I mean, half the half the, the try scored are off kicks into the dead into the into the in goal area and they and they try and work. What about so, the applause for a forty twenty, for example? That's so a celebrated that, thing. Yeah, but that's right. So, the kicking part, attacking kicking is, uh, and I think that's where we've we made our name last year and. Uh, yeah, we haven't been we haven't been able to get that that side of the game going like we wanted. We we did better against the Brumbies, but we haven't had that naturally. With and certainly, um, yeah, that was something Quaid managed very well. Uh, the the interface between running and kicking, you know, and it's the, it's the combination of the two because you can't deny the more you kick, the more you can run because the more you kick, the wingers and the fullback they, they have to stay back, and then you're not then you're running at twelve guys in the defensive line. If you don't ever kick the ball like we did against the Bulls. They'll just defend with 14 guys across the field and one guy back, and they'll bash you, and uh, they'll double team you, and they'll knock you around, and you and you'll make mistakes, and you put, start pushing passes, and you'll get turnovers, and they'll play off those turnovers like the Crusaders used to do. So it's very important to be able to kick, not not in a predictable way, but kick, and then obviously try and regather and contest and try and force errors, but you've got to keep the wingers back so you've got more space to run at. So you've got to do both in the end. You, you can't. It's not a blight kick it's actually it's it's blending kicking with running and it's attacking kicks that you can actually put pressure on if you just kick the ball aimlessly down the field yeah i'm not a fan of that at all but to kick it with a purpose and the purpose has to has a chaser or a number of chasers and you're trying to create pressure and an error um that's very valid and um and that helps break up the defensive line it slows down the defensive speed as well and everyone at the moment is rushing in defense so if you kick a bit um you force the defensive line to slow down because not quite sure what you're going to do and it's all part of the overall strategy of trying to win a game. One more for me from before Casho asks you one last one. Quade Cooper, when do we expect him back? Well, he's been training with us um, every session now. Um, he's still got some contact goals to get through, but um, you know he's running pretty well. Like you know, you always measure it on on how instinctive they are and whether they sort of backing themselves, stepping and that. But I'm watching him step in training. I think that'll only improve over the next few weeks. So he's. Yeah, you know, he's weeks away, not months. So um, I can't say exactly when because you know it'll be when he feels confident. You know, so but we've got a six games, so I'm sure you know I'm sure we'll be back somewhere in there. And um, you know, we'll, it's just good to see him at training. I mean, he's at training and he's just 
just the things he can do at training, you, you realise how much that, that that he can do. And it's just his talk as well. His communication is one of his strengths, which I've always talked about. Um, and that's you hear his voice out there. It's, it gives everyone great encouragement, even though he's not playing, just to have him out there mixing it up. He's been running the opposition attack against us and doing a good job. So, um, you know, so he's, he's contributing as best he can and he might be far away. And in the meantime, you and he's a pretty handy water boy, isn't he, getting those messages out there? Hmm. Very passionate about the game, a real student of the game, and um, you know you can see you can see the look on his face. He's, he's engaged in the opportunities that they're out there. Yeah, I think he gave, gave great support. I mean, if we could have, you know, we would have taken him to South Africa, but you know the, the competition doesn't afford you that opportunity, and we don't have the we don't have the budget to be taking extra people. We're just not there yet, you know. So, but to have him uh, be able to do that now, and now we're playing at home more, it's it's good, you know. So. Um, our guys like to get him, and we use him around the edges. And he's been, he's been out in the training field every training session since the start. You know, was when we've been in Brisbane, so uh, he's given as much support as he can, and um, in, in a good way. So I think that um, that was time we had. And you know, help, helpful, he was out in the field the other day, and he'll be out there again on Friday. All right, Ewan, we appreciate your time tonight. Good to see you on video for the first time on the show, and you look yeah, nice, very nice. felt. Yeah, everyone's happy I left my shirt on, so there you go. <laughs> I think uh, it's good that we all left our shirts on. But, Ewan, thanks for joining us, mate. Uh, we'll speak to you uh, very soon. And, and good luck this weekend. Let's hope the uh, winning form continues. Thanks, guys. Good to talk to you again. All right, so thanks to Ewan McKenzie. Always great to speak to him, and especially today, seeing him in the flesh, so to speak, and Mark Cashman. Both those gentlemen have now left us as we continue on with our coverage with the game in the Northern Hemisphere, and there is absolutely plenty going on. But let's firstly talk about Strike. Great sponsors, and we're very proud to have them on board. Good rugby people too, the people at Strike. Strike Strike.com.au, Australia's largest supply of hands-free Bluetooth car kits, sat-nav devices, reversing cameras, you name it. Everything high-tech you want in your car, and they look pretty good too. I've actually ordered a couple myself, paying for them myself as well but you can get a 10% discount. That's what I'm hoping for as well uh, if you uh, use the code Matrix in the checkout. So check, check them out today, strike.com.au. And if you check them out uh, and get something from them, you are indeed supporting Rugger Matrix. So you're doing us all a favor as well. All right, so I'm sure this guy is going to look good with a Bluetooth uh, headpiece for his motorbike helmet cutting around in his little Vespa in Europe. Les Kiss joins us now. <laughs> hey, Les. I probably need Bluetooth and I probably need sound a lot, mate. Um, on, the, on the Vespa, it's hard to read the uh, you know, the, the map, the Reflex. <laughs> so I probably need the uh, sound. There you go, mate. Good to catch up. Yeah, good good to speak to you too. Um, your connection, uh, not as flash as the links, I can't believe it, but uh, we're going to persevere, persevere and get through it. Mate, uh, it's great to speak to you again, and uh, there's been a lot happening, and uh, I was asked on uh, Twitter the other day that I had to mention Edinburgh and their wonderful effort to reach the semi-finals of the Heineken Cup. So we've got uh, Ulster up against uh, uh, Edinburgh in the first one, and then we've got Claremont against Leinster in the other one. So uh, what a great uh, couple of matches we've got coming up, uh, Kissy, and uh, I can't wait. But fantastic for Edinburgh, huh? Well, 
absolutely massive for Edinburgh. Um, you know, Michael Bradley, a, a good Irish coach who's, who's ventured overseas to ply his trade, has done a great job there at Edinburgh. Mind you, the, the, their form in the uh, in the Rabo Pro Direct 12 is, has been a little bit uh, ordinary. They, they played uh, Leinster the other night and got 50 points put against them by... Uh, you know, a, a second or a, a one and a half uh, Leinster team, so they wouldn't have been too happy with that. But, but they have saved their best for the Heineken Cup this year, and uh, they're a team that just keep coming back at you. Uh, they, they seem to revel in that cup rugby. Um, something that I think Brad's just taken across there. Michael Bradley's taken across to to Edinburgh, and uh, they seem to revel in that cup rugby format and they've done exceptionally well look to beat Toulouse anyway is a great feat they beat them at home admittedly but uh, they frustrated Toulouse Toulouse didn't play well but I, I think down, down to a good game plan that was put together the, the opening part of the game in the first few minutes was from a from one of those classic bombs you know a, a bomb on the in on the trial line and uh, they couldn't handle it they scored a try and, uh, and it gave them the impetus to actually keep frustrating to lose throughout the throughout the afternoon and a famous win and uh well now they, they face ulster at uh at aviva here in dublin and um that should be a really good match and uh a lot of interest in it already as you can imagine because ulster have done a fantastic job to get where they have as well yeah, so it's a big uh, Irish connection there, isn't there? And I mean, uh, Ulster 22-16 over Munster. And uh, I, I think uh, it, it is the result that uh, the Ulstermen are obviously very happy with. But what, how did you assess that quarterfinal? The, look, it was one of those games where you thought Munster, with their home game advantage, um, would possibly shine through. Uh, you know, I... You know, I was sitting in the stands and, and the atmosphere were there was as good as I've experienced in a, in a provincial match here for a long time. And uh, I've got to say, uh, a much more enjoyable game in terms of a true contest than the, the game the night before, which was Leinster putting 40 points on uh, on uh, Cardiff. Cardiff just weren't at the races. They didn't compete at all. They, they, they work at the breakdown was... Uh, was a of of, of, a, of a very ordinary team really. It was all versus men. You know, it was test a test met team versus a, a, a poor provincial team really, and um, and, it, and it stood throughout. And result and uh, Leinster were clinical and, and did the job. Although the second half wasn't what they would have liked, they they were still dominant throughout and did an exceptional job. But the the Munster Ulster game had a had a competitive had a real essence about it that you knew you were in a contest and it was more than just an interprovincial classic match there was a lot of stuff uh, um, you know there's been a lot written over the last week and a bit about Munster dropping out of the out of, out of the uh, uh, the race for this for the Heineken Cup and, and it hurt them badly and uh, you knew what that game meant to them and for them not to get the result was it hurt them badly but you still have to admire what Ulster did um, uh to go down to Tomond in, in, in Limerick and, and put on a performance that really that really stamped their authority in terms of where they've come from over the last three years. Three years ago, you know, they weren't the team they are now. And uh, yeah, you have to say what they did at, did at Tomond was, was an exceptional performance because I, I would not rate Munster poorly. I would rate that they went at each other hundred and tongue. Uh, Ulster just 
got the right things right at the right time and went out to a 19, I think it was 19 nil lead and um, full credit to Munster who tried to come back but they, they were just too strong on the day, Ulster, and, and did a good job. Les, I might get you to uh, press that, refresh that video button again. We've got those lines coming across, so I've had to put my head up uh, for viewers to look at in the meantime. But, uh, Les, uh, you've done a great job there. You've done a great job there. You're back online again. Uh, it's been an interesting competition, but once again, Leinster's there when it counts. Yeah, they were. And, uh, if you know, I, I, I bagged Cardiff's performance, and rightly <laughs> so. They were very ordinary. Um, similar to Bath in, 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 in the uh, pool rounds, you know, just weren't up to the standard that's expected of that level. Uh, but Leinster set their own standards. Uh, impressive work that they do. Uh, they, they create a momentum uh, that other teams find hard to keep up with. And and when the other team tries to get momentum, Leinster have a, a, a wonderful way of, of controlling their momentum and turning it around and putting pressure back on. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a good thing to watch and see it's uh, stuff we work through but, but from an island perspective it's good to see all our, all our provinces do exceptional work at the breakdown and, 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 and the type of stuff that you need at the breakdown in the top level rugby is essential and, and unfortunately for Cardiff as a as a group they just weren't up to weren't, weren't at the races at all as I said earlier but I have to admire the way that lends to go about their business they're a team that's on fire they're a team that 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 you know, set high standards and they, they, they aim up to them. And I, I've got to say that it was an exceptional performance um, by them in the first half in particular. The, you know, the, across the board, we've, you know, had three teams in Ireland that were up for it and, uh, you know, one had to drop out. Uh, unfortunately, it was Munster. But I have to say, uh, between Leinster and Ulster, they've been exceptional this year in both competitions. Um Ulster, I think, have outscored Leinster in the Rabo. They've scored more tries. They've been a, a, had a fantastic year, uh, and also defensively, they're very strong. Uh, so it's going to be interesting what happens forward. Look, I, I, I must say, uh, Leinster have been great. You know, imperious form. Ulster, um, you know, they've had some big games against Clermont and Leicester in their pool round. So you have to take your hat off to them, and and they're a team that. Uh, a shadow of what they were three or four years ago. Since Brian McLaughlin's come in, he's transformed the team and, and David Humphreys, uh, the director of rugby, they've done a fantastic job in making the team what they are today and you, you just have to admire uh, what they've done I, and, I, and I think they deserve all the credit for that. They've been exceptional with what they've created there as a team and, and, and they're in the hunt and big trophies now, which is great. Very true, but one bloke who's not going to be cracking the, with any pace to any breakdown is Warren Gatlin. So he's been he's been uh, waylaid through injury. Talk us through it, Les, for those who haven't been across it. Well, it's um, <laughs> from the little information I've got. It's it's a moral to the story. If your if your wife asks you to clean the windows uh, yes. just to make them look nice and clean, don't hop up on a five meter ladder and do it if you're not <laughs> up for it. Because uh, apparently that's what Warren did, and um, he, he's had a fall and landed back, and, and luckily he landed on his feet or his heels, and that took all the all the impetus of his fall and took the blow. And you know if it, if it went anything different it could have been a, a lot worse injury and um mm. and thankfully it wasn't that because it seems that warren's you know f you know smashed one of his heels and fractured the other he's in in two casts he's got to have some you know, some major major surgery on one of his heels once the 
our swelling goes down and um you know, he, he he could be you know on crutches or in a chair for for anything from a month to three months but um uh, I don't think it'll keep him down. I know he's got the tour coming up to Australia, and uh, it's an important tour for for Wales. Uh, uh, you know, to go there and, and and make a statement, particularly with the Lions tour coming the following mm. year. So, I don't think he'll miss that. But I, he's got capable people in Rob Howley and and Sean Edwards who will hold fort for him. I think Rob's going to take over the reins while while uh, Warren's uh, laid up in. in in, in a hospital bed or in, in surgery, etc. But uh, look, we, we wish, he, wish him well. Hope he comes together nicely and can get to that Australian tour because um, uh, it's a big one for him. And, mm. and uh, I know the Australian provinces haven't probably aimed up and has performed as, as most people would have liked. But, uh, you know, once you pull the, the gold jersey on of the, of the Wallabies, it's always a different story. And, and, and there's... You know, another little interesting aside to that, you have Tony McGahn, who's the current coach of Munster, who's leaving at the end of the year. He'll be joining right. the Wallabies at the end of the year. So he'll, he'll have a fair insight to a lot of the players and the style that they play from, from his time here. So it'll be interesting to see how that comes through at, uh, in the coaching of the Wallabies as well with Robbie Deans there. I actually ran into uh, Jim Williams the other day and uh, he's parted way with the Wallaby coaching staff, Les, and... Uh, you know, he said it's been a pretty uh, hectic last few months, obviously sorting that out. But I said, mate, you should be heading back to Munster. They love you over there still. <laughs> well, I don't know if he put his name in. I, I know they're into some second or, or second le- level interviews here at the moment, and um, we'll we'll find out over next month. I guess who's going to be the next coach there. But um, uh, his name may have been thrown around the edges. He may not have applied at all. But but I believe. Mm. Uh, Jim's moved into some areas and is going to help some areas out, which is great. And, um, you know, despite the fact that uh, we're seeing what no one expected was was the Brumbies being the, the team at, that's performing the best mm. in Australia at the moment. Have you uh, seen any despite, of their games? Yeah, I watched uh, I watched two of their games since the beginning, or two or three, and, and I watched their, the game in the weekend, actually, and yeah. I was really impressed. I, I, I've, got to, I've got to say I was impressed by the... the, the it wasn't... It, the, the the game that they actually put on the plate at the as the game rolled on the the game that that prevailed was was uh, a result of being clinical and disciplined and effective at the little things of the game and and as the game wore on they started to play a little bit more of uh, I wouldn't say expansive but they certainly found moments of continuity which they would have been very pleased with and um, you know you got to take out off to Jake. Uh, Jake White, he's done a good job there along with his assistants and uh, they seem like they're a totally different team from the, the previous two years, that's for sure but um, it was a, it was a nice you know comprehensive win for them and um, you know, can they go any further I'm not sure, I think they'll play the Bulls next so that'll be a, a real true test of their, of where they're at really Yeah, that's what Ewan was saying earlier on Les, uh, the trip to South Africa can really sort you out and I think uh, Jake's looking forward to taking his team and game plan over. They remind me now of the Brumbies of old, and they do a lot of activity behind the game line. And uh, that's uh, then that sort of tries to work you over in defence, doesn't it, Les? But um, they also uh, support each other well, do the, the, the run the right lines, and they're playing at pace. Uh, look, they're, they're very uh, impressive so far. I was a bit doubtful that they were the real deal but so far so good 
And I think some of the players are actually lifting now than they when they see that, okay, this is how we should be playing the game and it's working, let's put in. And there are probably a couple of players there playing above their weight. But I've got to say, they're playing uh, for a long time above their weight, and the players who should have produced more in the past are definitely doing that. So there's a really good flow-on effect by playing a really good game. They all believe in the structure, and they're being very well led by Ben Moen. Massive loss uh, by the Waratahs to the Brumbies. I, I, I've got to say, that's a, uh, nothing true of Ben Moen. Uh, you know, we both work with him. Salt of the earth and has a little bit of talent with it as well, which is a plus. And you know, he's been exceptional for him. And even the likes of Scott Fardy, who was a youngster who was there at the Waratahs when we worked there, Bronk, um, you know, you could see some some potential there. And that seems to be coming through under the uh, uh, you know, the Jake White regime. Uh, you know, it's 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 not complex stuff, you know, it's just simple stuff done well. And as you say, the the lines and movement that, that are prevailing there do gradually stress the defence in key critical moments and create opportunity because, um, you know, there's a couple of tries tied around the ruck, but because there's movement, there's there's a structure and a, and a framework of operation, you know, one channel, two channel out from where the ruck is, it keeps defences having to make sure they keep a check on that, which opens up opportunity around the ruck area. And, uh, you know, Scott Fardy got, a, I think he got two tries, which is... Um, I think his first two tries in, in, in at that level, so he did very well. And, um, you know, uh, Nick White, I think it is the, the number nine. I thought he controlled things very well in he, terms of how they want to play the game. He is very good. Oh, and what yeah. about his delivery? Yeah, very good. And, and I think he's facilitating the type of game that that uh, that direct Jake's after. There's obviously a structure. You can see there's an order and an understanding of what they want to achieve. So that gives you know a lot of it takes away the hesitancy and the and the ambiguity. So they know how to uh, where they need to go, what they need to do. So the delivery and the execution is 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 more precise, and, and the execution is very good. And um, and as the game wore on, they they expanded their brief on the field as natural, you know, intuitive rugby players and and, and, and probably uh, I think Jake would be happy with that aspect where he had a good strong framework and a structure in place but then they broadened it as they got control of the game but I was very impressed with their clinical nature of their game. Look, it, it's, it's, too, it's too early to say that they're going to be a team that's going to end at the top of the provinces there of the Australian provinces uh, because they have to play the Bulls yet and have the, 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 tough, the tough travel to um, South Africa uh, I don't know what their injury status has been to date, but I know that you know you and uh, with the Reds uh, have, have been hit very hard. And and once they get a couple more guys back, and um, you know, I, I, I'd imagine that they should start to to perform and push themselves back up the top. I think the Waratahs had a, a good win. Uh, I didn't see the game. I saw some highlights, but they had a good win against the Force. Albeit the Force came back and hard. Uh, you know, it was a good win for the for the Waratahs as well. So, you know, there's there's still a little bit of water to go under the bridge with the with the, the Australian teams. But it, but yeah, you still have to take out after the Brumbies. And if they can do a job in South Africa, uh, they could surprise everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Now let's uh, look ahead briefly to your trip down under. And uh, some of the Kiwis aren't saying some kind things about you boys, uh, Kissy, uh, and they reckon they're going to towel you up. Uh, oh, I haven't heard this. <laughs> <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> well, that's what probably everyone here thinks as well. But um, um, so you know, uh, it's going to be tough for you, you know, blokes. But what are you, what are you going to uh, yeah. what are you going to what are you going to deliver for us? <laughs> 
Well, look, we, uh, we don't promise anything. All we do is make a, a strong commitment to be the best we can be on any given day. And, um, you know, do we reach that every time? Perhaps not, but, you know, every team has their ups and downs. And we know that we've got a tough a tough deal going there. But, um, uh, you know, which one do you pick? There was there was Australia for three tests, uh, All Blacks for three tests, or South Africa for three tests. And uh, probably one of the pluses is that we have beaten South Africa in the last couple of years. We've beaten, beat, obviously beaten the, the Wallabies in the last couple of years and, and drawn with them and uh, beat them at the World Cup. But, you know, one thing that Ireland haven't done yet is beat the All Blacks. And, uh, and, and it's got to happen at some time. And uh, we're certainly... We're certainly um, not going to go down there and uh, uh, to lose. We're going to go down there to to make sure that we can put our best foot forward and, and, and get a victory. Because uh, you know, if you look at what happened in the World Cup, we've travelled there probably. I've travelled there twice now with the Irish team. I think they've been there in the last four or five years at least four times. It's not alien to them. Um, our last visit to, to Eden Park was, you know was a wonderful occasion when we beat the Wallabies. So that's our first test. Um, obviously, we're, we know that we're playing the world champions. We're playing a, a, a team that's, um, you know, regarded as uh, the, the best of recent times, have an 85% win record over the last four years under Graham Henry, and um, which is exceptional. And, and we know that it's not going to be an easy, easy task. But, um, you know, we know we've got a game in us and we've just got to be able to pull out the right the right game at the right time and, 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 and get a bit of consistency together that can actually challenge um, the All Blacks in the way that we know we could challenge them and uh, if we do that we'll get we'll, we'll be in a good place but uh, we need to be at our best and we and, and in a way too Bronk if you look at it they this is the first time that the All Blacks will come off uh, into a test series with, with, with just one week preparation or I think they have one week preparation I'm not quite sure when the Super 15 stops and then they go into their preparation for the test weeks but they won't have much more than a week and week and a half and usually the uh, Southern Hemisphere teams you know they get they get at least a two to three week preparation period into into their test series season and um, it's a different kettle of fish for them this time and, and uh, you know we'll see what happens yeah, that's um, that's true. Uh, I think there's actually something uh, for that, where there's no messing around and you just get on the, with the job. We've discussed this before, where the All Blacks have turned up late to a game at uh, the Olympic Stadium in Sydney and put up about 50 points on Australia, and uh, they didn't worry about all the extra stuff that you have to do pre-game. Obviously, you'd like to do it, but... They got on with the job, Les, and I think that's what you need to do come in those weeks. And, yeah, I think this long lead in preparation, it's great for you blokes, great for you coaches if you haven't set a system in place. But, um, you know, if it means a big gap in the program um, for everyone, it's it's sort of like a bit frustrating. But I think they'll go okay. In terms of your preparation, what, what have you got planned for the squad? Well, at this stage, we'll... Um over the next week or two, actually this week, we'll we'll, we'll uh, go close to finalising probably a squad of around you know up to close to forty that we'll be keeping a close eye on, um, and then leading into to naming a squad for the for the um, tour to New Zealand once the uh, season proper is finished. What we have at the moment, the biggest challenge for us, uh, Broncos, uh, we have the Rabo uh, direct running through, and once the semi-finals are finished. Or once the, the the rounds are finished and it goes into semi-final mode, at this stage uh, Connaught won't be there, so there'll be players there that we need to be keeping ticking over for for the for a month 
in terms of their preparation and their training because they you know in all likelihood we'll have a, a couple of um uh, Connaught boys on the tour uh mm. then then you know then we have to wonder if 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 uh, well Leinster will definitely make the finals Ulster and uh, Munster are fighting out for their positions in the final four of the Rabo. So if one of those misses out, if it's Munster who aren't in the finals of the uh, Heineken Cup, there's a month off for those players. So then we have to keep them ticking over in some format of strength and conditioning. Uh, if Munster do make it, then they'll be in the final get an extra game. If Ulster don't make it, we know at least they have a semi-final in the Heineken Cup. So there's a whole staggered approach that we have to understand. Once, once we get to the semi-finals of the Rabo who's in, who's out, what players do we need to keep ticking over, making sure that the amount of players we keep kicking over can also handle the possible injuries that can happen through the semi-finals of the Rabo and the semi-final and final of the um, of the Heineken Cup. Do we have an Ulster-Leinster final uh, in the Heineken Cup? Uh, if that happens, we could have uh, possibly a Munster-Leinster, uh, Ulster, whoever gets through playing you know, Leinster in a final of the of the Rabo Direct as well. So there's all these, you know, permutations that can prevail. And, and, and as each team drops out, we have to then also provide them with a little bit of a, a rest period, uh, you know, give them a, a bit of a break for a week or so, but also mm. make sure that they have the strength and conditioning in place that they can actually then join the squad. We go across to England, we, we play a Barbarians match in Gloucester before we hop on a plane to go to New Zealand. So it's a massive logistical challenge, but... Um, now that's one of Declan's strengths. He's, he's always on the ground. He's working those those things out. He's he's, he's keeping the communication up with the provinces and, and ensuring that we uh, everyone understands the story. And hopefully, once it gets to that area where we understand which where each team sits in the in the championship, uh, you know our plan will come into play. But it's it, it is a challenge. But um, ultimately. The bottom line is when we when we get the players, we get them, and when we we get on the plane and go to New Zealand, it's um it's a commitment for three weeks to to go and do something that no other Irish team has ever done there. And um, you know when you look at our time with Declan, we've had a lot of firsts, uh, a Grand Slam, which we haven't done for Yonks. We we you know uh, we we've done some fantastic things in terms of of uh, you know in the World Cup, as we did a lot of firsts there, and we beat the Wallabies there in Eden Park. So there's there's some things that we know that we can really do well when we get our mind right and, and get a lot of things right. And uh, we need to go to we need to go to the uh, to the the land of the long white crowd cloud with a with a real mission on our hands that we can actually do the job because uh, you know if you go there thinking any otherwise you'll get tonked and um, they're because they're such a great team and and they do that to every team and I. You know, I don't know what the stats are or what the what the history is, but I, I wonder how how long it is since a team has gone there and, and won a series against them. And um, and because it hasn't been done for a while, I think it shouldn't stop you from thinking that you can or dreaming that you can. And um, it's up to us to make sure that we put something together that can challenge. Because we're if we're off the mark, New Zealand will hurt you, and as they will hurt any nation. Mm, that's true. Maybe you should take a lead from the French kissy because they seem to be the ones that can do that regularly. <laughs> yeah, they, they they actually have had some sex down there, haven't they? In terms of um, uh, over the last couple of years, they go there and managed to get a big game up against them. And um, and the pity of it is that there's never been a three test series they've had there. It's always a one test or a two test. And um, and the IRB have uh, in their wisdom and, and 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 I think it must I think it might be a good thing actually, um, you know, creating these tours where you have three test series and if you got 
possible if it's possible to have midweek games it, it's not going to be possible for us to have midweek games there uh, in New Zealand but yeah, you know getting that touring element back and and and, and spending three tests there it, it certainly builds a lot of interest in terms of what test rugby is in terms of winning series etc if, if we can go down there and uh, you know do something no other team's done particularly an Irish team that'll be a, you know something that we could be really proud of and and I, I from my perspective I truly believe we can do it um, and we just need to make sure that happens it's easy to say it. you've got to go and do the stuff that makes it happen and of course Les the other thing about New Zealand was that uh, the English boys got a bit loose and uh, a great yarn in the uh, Daily Mail in the UK where Tyndall said uh, I won't be the first person to get hammered and realise it wasn't a great idea. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, well he, he certainly learnt the hard way. They, they, the the, uh, the royal family PR modes sort of hit hit into the mode, didn't they? When they yeah. they set sent down the party and, and got things sorted out, and, and and the PR machine certainly went into overdrive. But um, look. I think at some stage we're going to be visiting um, Queenstown again, but we won't be throwing dwarfs around um, or anything like that. We'll we'll be focused on the game, etc. Look, you've got to be bigger than some them of to start with, Kissy. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing, <laughs> yeah. well, the thing is, I think, yeah, uh, despite all that, that there's a lot of water under the bridge there, gone, and and, and unfortunately, a lot of a lot of uh, unnecessary things came out after the the English tour, and um, and. Uh, a lot of reputations hurt, I guess. But uh, when it comes down to it, you've, you've, as an individual, you've got to make some strong decisions. You've got to make decisions that that are that are the right thing for yourself and for your teammates and for your for you know all the stakeholders involved, as, uh, as well as your family and, and friends at home. So, um, it, it, you know, you when you're at this level, you're always under the microscope. So you've got to be careful, um, and no one's perfect. No. That's the other side of it, too. and and I think that's something to realise and. And because one error is made, you, you shouldn't hang a bloke for it. But um, uh, because the reality is, you pay the price anyway at this level. And um, uh, and I do feel for him, but he, he should have known better too. You got a good point there. There would be a lot of players axed through the history of the game if uh, you would have like a zero tolerance to any sort of uh, loose behaviour, players and management, Kissy and. <laughs> Fortunately, uh, everyone makes mistakes in life. And in fact, you know what? If the general public were governed by the same rules as sports people, then the general public would, in most cases, be out of a job because you get suspended, fined, all that sort of stuff. This stuff doesn't happen generally out there in the general community. No, but I, I must say also that, that, that certain work practices do come into play in the workforces now. Um, you know, HR is these days and, and, and the reputation of companies is very important, particularly in certain industries. And, and uh, if you are amiss in those areas, you can be sacked. You can be, uh, um, you know, fined heavily and all those sort of things. And uh, so they do exist in the, in the general world, but, you know... It, where we exist there's a little bit more of a microscope yeah. on us and we have to understand that where there is a responsibility with it uh you know to date um you know along with you mate I, I haven't been involved in anything too bad there's always been the odd incident but i think if you control it and look at it in the right way and it can offer assistance and help where you need to be done and uh 
you can get on top of those things early and, and unfortunate times there's things that do just get out of hand but uh look i think generally across the board most most of it is 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 good and and, and if something does go wrong it's just an innocent uh, innocent little uh misdemeanor that's happened but but you do have to keep an eye on it you have to put uh, not so much policy, but you have to put principles in place that allow players to understand, or players and management understand, you know, how far do you go in this and where the line in the sand is, and then be able to step back and make those strong decisions because it's important to to maintain, um, you know, the integrity of what you stand for in the game, um, uh, let alone your club and your team that you play for, but also for the game. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think it also calls for cool heads in a crisis because you still have to manage the team and what you have to do in the coming weeks on the paddock but you can't just go out there and uh, chop someone's head off uh, for a misdemeanor you really got to make sure you do the right things by justice you know I'm a big believer in that and I you know we've been we have been involved in situations where we had to discipline players and I think in each case we've done the right thing, and that was all led by Ewan. You know, he's very good with that. Uh, he he loves good discipline, but um, he understands that uh, young men sent into battle uh, like we do in in a footy field, you know, things are a little bit different for them. I mean, we're we're trying to make these guys rip in every week, be very physical, and sometimes the release involves something stupid being done. But they certainly don't deserve to be locked away. No, and I think that's where cool heads must prevail, and uh, yeah, you're right. A sense of justice must prevail, and that and uh, well, I think it's more uh, an issue under, for under the team, team. like if, if they're actually yeah. harming the team's preparation. Yeah, yeah. Well, if, I think there's two sides. If you harm that and the integrity of your team and the product or your, or, your, or the game, but also are you invading other people's space in an inappropriate way and and or hurting other people in an inappropriate way, and those things must be respected. Look, if if you if I was sitting in a place and and, and mm. my family was being, you know, or a friend was being, you know, hassled in the wrong way, then you would be upset. So understanding that side of it, you don't do it no matter what. And um, uh, that's only one side of the story. There's other incidents and other things that anyone can do in, in general life that, that, that is wrong. Mm. But um, you've just got to understand your situation at that time. And uh, are you hurting yourself? Are you hurting your family, your friends, your teammates, your team, the organisation in the game? And also the other side, are you hurting other people's opportunity to enjoy what they where they are at that time? And if you can have that always prevailing, then then you're going to be in a good place. But um, look, it's a challenge always, and uh, part of part of a brief, I think, of any any organisation, any team, any coach is to to help players understand that. Um, most players do. I, you know, we're only talking about a very very much a minority here, but but it's important to understand that. Uh, you know, there are temptations around the place and there there are opportunities for players to actually you know, just lose their way a little bit and, and you've got to be able to guide them properly and give them the tools to make the right decisions at the right time. Yeah, exactly. And uh, set that bar high when players come to the group or don't even sign players that you know aren't going to fit into your, uh, your high standard. And then once that happens, you set up this, uh, this peer review system where the players are going to step in and make sure the players uh, that uh, have erred uh, pull their heads in. Yeah, very much so, mm. very much so. All right, Kissy. Now, um, so I look forward to plenty uh, plenty of uh, nice behaviour from you in Queenstown this time. <laughs> <laughs> 
Although we've had no, a couple no, of quiet ones no, at the target. No we do like it. New bungee jumping. I'll leave that to Mark Cabana Bar, Pinky Cash Cow Cashman. Yes. Now, uh, your North boys put in a pretty good effort. Uh, well, they're not really your North boys. Well, Northern Suburbs put in a good effort at Northern's North Sydney Oval the weekend against Eastwood. Very surprising, but very good. So the Shoot Shield's underway, and uh, we're starting a Shoot Shield show um, tomorrow night. So make sure you tune in to that on the Rugger Matrix Network, and very soon the ladies' show will start. And I know, Kissy, you'll be excited about that. Um, I will be actually. <laughs> Please make, make sure you give me the right date and make sure it's a video cast. Uh, yes. uh, the actual, um, uh, it's great to see the club system up and running there uh, and going well. Um, you know, we it's, it's really an area that's been a struggle or, or a challenge for every country, I guess, to yeah, see. Yeah, exactly. How's it going there? Maintain how the, yeah, well, maintaining how your club system runs and how it goes and how it still becomes an important part of the whole infrastructure of the game. And, uh, uh, you know, I, there's, it's, it's, it's like Australia. There's a struggle to understand what part it plays. But, yeah. um, you know, there's a magnificent game in the weekend. Uh, I didn't have a chance to go. It. I watched it on television before I had to hop in the car to go across to the to the Connaught Ulster match yes. over in Galway. But um, I watched most of it, and uh, it was a cracker of a match with um, uh, Clontarf at home against St Mary's. Uh, in the second or third last game of the year and, and basically whoever won it depending on what happens this week if, if uh, will determine the championship because they don't have a final series as such but uh, Clontarf uh, were on top by a point in terms of the premiership table and St Mary's playing away were under the cosh for a lot of minutes but it was a wonderful rugby and a great try in the corner by a winger uh, Hogan a little chip and chase which which put him ahead at half time but under a lot of pressure and a lot of defensive pressure they came back and uh, they won at St Mary's and, and I think it, it epitomised uh, what club rugby does offer still it, it was a fantastic match uh, and I you know, I just implore people who, who are rightly so caught up in the major games now in the provinces if you ever get a chance to get to the club matches i think it's important to make those efforts you know i get up off out there when i can when i don't have to get to the big games uh, and support them because there's a lot of good rugby players out there who have a lot of dreams and aspirations of 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 not only you know performing for the club but some of them have aspirations to go further in the game it's a, it's a great nursery and we should get out there and support it you know more more recently uh, after the uh, Six Nations. I went to, you know, the school senior cup final here, and, and it was a magnificent game as well. Where um, Clongo's going for three in a row, they just didn't quite get it. Um, St Michael's won that game, but even at school rugby level, there's things to go there and watch and enjoy and and understand where the game is underpinned by these these strong strong entities that exist. And I think it's important to get out there and support them as much as we can. And I and I think the same in Australia, mate. They're still important to to what happens at the top level. Certainly, Les. All right, uh, thanks for joining us. Great to speak to you. Uh, we've missed you over the last few weeks, but uh, as I said, we've been pretty busy uh, doing some back-end work. So uh, hang in there for those older shows. You're all coming back, and the links will be uh, alive again. And if you're tuning into iTunes, uh, you'll see some uh, sort of changes. Shows will come in and out. But um, in the next week or two, it'll all be fine and dandy. Well, that's good, mate. Well, it'd be good to catch up and have a good chat about the the the, uh, the semi-finals that are going to be coming up in the um, oh yeah in the Heineken Cup, uh, you know, Edinburgh versus 
uh, or Ulster versus Edinburgh at the Aviva and Clermont versus Leinster. It's uh, going to be fantastic. I, we'll have a good discussion before those, but um, uh, and, and and some exciting times in the in the Aviva and also the Rabo. Uh, it's it's certainly hotting up, and um, there's still still you know, a few things to happen, and there could be some surprises along the way. Uh, Exeter have snuck into the top four at the moment, mate. If you haven't seen that in the Aviva, and yeah. um, if 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 they get there, I think it's been one of the great stories in the last two or three years. How, how they've they've worked their way up into a really strong club and and doing a fantastic job there. Uh, the you know the coaching staff and all that. I think it's been magnificent. So, yeah, you know, some 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 good stories coming through from the northern hemisphere. So we'll keep in touch with those, mate. All right, Les. Uh, thanks for joining us, mate, uh, and all the uh, best with your preparations as they continue. Cheers, mate. Chat to you soon. There he is, Les Kiss, joining us from Dublin tonight, looking at picture. All right, thanks for joining us on the program. As I said, there's a lot of movement in the background uh, in terms of our servers and moving data around. So bear with us when, until that is sorted. But uh, in the meantime, make sure you check out the lads at strike.com.au. I'm absolutely pumped. I'm going to be ordering one of these this week. I'll be checking it out with a 10% discount at uh, Club Rugby, at, sorry, at uh, strike.com.au. Entering the code RUGGERMATRIX. All right, so thanks for joining us, and we will be back next week talking all things Heineken Cup, Super Rugby, and everything in between. We'll see you next week.